0: Welcome to Women in Venture Capital, a podcast by students for students. I'm Rashvina And I'm Anvita. And we are from the Harvard Business School. Our guest today is Anna Khan. Anna is a general partner at CRB Ventures, leading SaaS, cloud, and enterprise software investments. She has worked with Bessemer Venture Partners before this and is a graduate of the Harvard Business School. She is also the founder and CEO of LaunchX Ventures, that offers female entrepreneurs an immersive opportunity to learn about how to raise capital for their businesses. Anna is an undergrad of Stanford University. Thank you for being on the show today, Anna.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, jumping right in, um, how did you begin your career in investing? How did you shortlist what stage sector of investing excited you the most? And how was the recruiting process like?
1: Yeah, you know, I get this question a lot. And I think my answer is usually not helpful to anybody. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll preface the answer uh, with that. And that's only because I got into venture uh, almost 10 years ago. And so the world was very different. Um, And and let me tell you a little bit about how, how it looked. So first and foremost, venture firms didn't really hire or give exposure to people fresh out of college or just having kind of a few years of startup experience. Really, if you looked at the venture firms of 10 years ago, you either had career investors, so people that had been investing for, you know, five years, 10 years, sometimes even 20, or you had people that had had very sizable and meaningful um, kind of startup outcomes. And so unlike a finance or a consulting that, uh, you know, at a specific cadence, uh, uh, hired younger people, venture was pretty much shut out to to younger folks. And because of that, I actually didn't even know what venture was, especially when I was in high school. I had no clue what it was. Even when I was in college and I went to Stanford, which really is sort of, you know, five minutes away from Sand Hill Road in the center of VC, and I still didn't have exposure. And that just shows you that for young people, venture was really not accessible. The first time I got exposure was actually from the startup side. My first gig out of school was as chief of staff to a fast-growing startup. And one of the things I had to do uh, in support of the executive team was actually put together the fundraising deck. And that was the first time. I was like, so who are we putting together this deck for? That was when I first got exposed to what venture capitalists were. They were people that gave us financing and gave us money to reach a certain stage. Um, and that was my first exposure. And uh, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed putting together the information. I was curious that, oh, wow, they get to learn a little bit about what we're building. Then they get to do the same thing five times over uh, with other companies. And, and I got curious about the role and curious about the industry. And that's what led me to my first uh, venture capital job, which was at Bessemer, And going back to what I said earlier, Bessemer and I think one other firm, Insight, were one of the very few funds at the time that said, hey, we're actually going to take a bet on younger people because we think they're hungry. We think they're sort of in the center of, um, you know, young kids starting innovative companies. They're on the ground. uh, And we're going to give them a shot to teach them about venture. And so I was just very happy to kind of get into that fold. um, And they taught me everything, uh, I had to know.
2: That's interesting, and you put a fair perspective. In full honesty, though, Anna, while the opportunities may seem to have grown, probably just because there's more capital to be deployed, more funds that can actually employ even fresh graduates, there are still a lot of similar questions on what does the role really entail, um, what is it for me to look up to in the job. So the probably the questions are still similar, just that probably the starting point is uh, a little closer to uh, getting into the. Uh, industry or into the into a specific fund. Um, talking a little bit about your work, though, Anna. There, you have worked at Bessemer and now you're uh, currently at CRV Ventures, and you do a lot of SaaS uh, investing. And you talk talk about something called finance as a service, as opposed to fintech, which is something uh, people know of the most commonly. Curious to hear what excites you in this space when you say finance as service, and how would you look at it differently than the more commonly discussed fintech space.
1: I think that's a fantastic question and 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 frankly uh, I think the the venture market sometimes struggles with the difference between these two categories. So think of fintech as very much consumer facing. You know, what are the ways in which you are investing better, i.e. Robinhood or banking better or, you know, better lending products like SoFi um better lending products for shopping like Affirm. These are all what I put into the bucket of fintech and consumer facing. When I think of finance as a service, it's completely different. I actually don't consider myself a consumer investor. And so finance as a service is more about, in software, we believe a lot in what are the best software tools for key functional roles in a business. And so let me give you an example of that. Key functional roles are everything from the engineers that develop the product, the marketers that market the product, the HR role that hires people, and all of them, if you look at the software landscape, have had two, three, four generations of great software tools that have helped all those functional roles be more efficient, right? We're not still in the tools of, you know, three decades ago. When you look at the finance role, which I didn't mention, so everything from the controller to the accountant to the chief financial officer, if you ask them the tools they are still using, 90% of them will say, maybe even 95%, Microsoft Excel. And when I continued to hear that in my research, I said, well, that's fascinating because Microsoft Excel is a very old product. It's very flexible and actually a fantastic product. For how flexible it is. but we should have many more software tools that help us do things from you know, uh, sending bills more efficiently, collecting invoices, uh, uh, managing our cap table, which Carta does as an example, doing better financial planning um, uh, for our businesses, which is FPNA. And so I knew there was an opportunity because there hasn't been one enough venture dollars going into that space. And two, really better use cases and utilization of good software that helps the CFO and the financial organization in a business perform better. So that's what I, that's sort of the big difference between finance as a service and fintech.
0: That's really interesting. Um, I Wanted to talk a little bit about LaunchX Ventures. Um, it seems to have a great and much-needed proposition. Could you share your journey of starting this off and your experience so far? What have been the key challenges building it?
1: Of course, yeah. I I, I get really passionate when I uh, talk about LaunchX. So, um, the, the big pain point that that I saw, and it was really from my own experience being in being uh, a young VC ten years ago is when I started my job, I realized, oh, wow, no one looks like looks like me. And so uh, that was both on the investing side, but also on the people that came in to pitch me. And so not only did my partners who were investors not look like me, they were usually uh, men, um, they were usually white men. Uh, It was also those that came in to pitch were largely Male CEOs and teams of male founders. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've made fantastic investments uh, with phenomenal all-male founding teams, but it didn't feel equitable. And I wanted to know where I was coming from a university where it was 50-50. Uh, and I said, well, what's really changed um, in, in, in this space? And, and what is this sp- what is this market and sector doing? That keeps women both out of the investing roles, but also out of the startup and fundraising roles. Um, And what I realized after doing a bunch of research, you know, a lot of people have a lot of excuses for why the numbers are bad. Their favorite excuses. Well, it's you know, it starts with high school and it starts in college. And the reason why there are not enough women starting companies or enough uh, women in VC is because women aren't technical enough and they don't have CS degrees or engineering degrees. And if you actually dig into the numbers, the reality is a lot of fantastic companies or more than a majority of companies are not started by technical CEOs. Is it important to have a very strong technical and product team? Absolutely. But the person that is getting the financing does not need to have a technical degree. and, and so I was like, well, that can't be the reason then. Then I realized that so much of this business is still very much a uh, you know, a handicraft or boutique business where information is not shared in a democratic fashion. And so the way in which you should pitch an investor, regardless of what your company is, regardless of who you are, there is an art of fundraising, there's, there are certain slides that if you are friends with a VC or you have male founder friends, they will tell you to include. So it's a, you know, a business that is really passed on through network. And I realize that because our numbers are so low, both on the investing side and the, and the entrepreneurship side, this information never gets passed down to us. So I thought, well, what can I do to change that? I can't make the numbers, you know, today less than 3% of venture dollars go to um, female-founded companies. I can't make that better overnight. But what I can do is test out my hypothesis. So I launched LaunchX with the sole purpose of, I'm not gonna teach you how to run your business. I'm not gonna teach you how to market or acquire customers. There are amazing programs that do that. But if you have a good idea, I will teach you, how to fundraise and all the semantics that go into that and what this whole VC thing is about so that you have a toolkit when you're ready to fundraise to basically go into that conversation fully aware of what's going on. Um, And so I had two kind of programs. I launched one in New York, one in San Francisco. It was very small, sub 10 women in each program. And we basically went through a boot camp. It was myself and a lot of my amazing mentors and VCs at seed stage firms, multi-stage firms, and also female founders that had been through the process. And we just taught each other and we practiced our pitch and we did workshops. And what we realized is, yes, when you give women that information in a concentrated fashion, they do get the institutional financing. Um, and so that's the goal with LaunchX. uh, you know, I currently just stopped accepting applications for our newest cohort. I'm kind of deep in interviews. We're launching the newest cohort in January. Um, and the goal is just to make sure that we demystify the process, that you have the best informational toolkit that we can offer you. And that, you know, running a business is hard enough. You should always know how to raise funds for the business, um, uh, longer term, so that's kind of the goal, and 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 why I started it. This
2: is so inspiring, Anna. This is the pitch you gave. The pain point you observed is very similar, and it pains to say that the problem is still persistent. Probably a few years, even when you started this, the problem is still there now. Yeah, um, but it is really inspiring to see that you we a agree on the problems. We, we acknowledge it and B you're putting things to action. And for us, one form of trying to do that, uh, putting things to action has been this podcast in full honesty, because, uh, to the point you made that there are less networks, people don't know who to speak to and ask the right questions, or even know how to fundraise or run a company, et cetera. I think, um, we're hoping that a platform like this podcast gives those inroads to, uh, demystifying a few of those questions and help them connect, uh, build network and, uh, Put, take that from there. So
1: yeah, uh, no, I, I love what you guys are doing. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are trying, you know, I'll never say that, um, you know, people in the valley are not trying to make this a more equitable place. But it's a little frustrating when you go to conferences, and they're all male panels. And, you know, you go to other conferences, and only male founders are pitching. And I agree, it sometimes, you know, it it is hard. But all I all I try to say is like, try to do the hard thing. Like, I'm sure it's not easy for the both of you to find female VCs because there are not that many of us, but you go through those extra obstacles to find us so that you can, you know, get us on a podcast and then distribute it to young women who want to get into the same field. And so I, I think it's really great. I wish I had something like this when I joined Venture because by the way, getting into Venture... It seems like the hardest part, it's not the hardest part. You know, that's, that's one job. If, if you follow kind of any of the news around venture, people are doing great things around junior diversity. But then even getting through the associate ranks to a vice president and then to a principal and then to a partner and then to a general partner, I mean, those numbers are incredibly low. Um, and so I just think it's not, you know, the the hard work doesn't stop when you get an, a, an associate job or an analyst job. It, it It's just even more work, which is understanding the dynamics of your firms, understanding how to get a deal done internally, understanding how to get promoted, understanding how to win deals as a female partner. You know, that's not easy either, because most of the people that pitch to us are men. So um, yeah, it's um, it's going to be a long journey. But I think awesome kind of programs like this are are only going to help.
2: Thanks so much, Darren. Can't agree more on everything you said. Sorry for the shameless plug. I just genuinely genuinely feel that uh, this this should be helping. You touched upon one of the pieces that we wanted to cover as a part of our next question, which was around progressing in the VC ecosystem. Um, You've been one of those uh, very, very few people who is a GP at a well-known fund now. Um, Could you shed some light on biases, if any, and you mentioned them a little bit, but if we can uh, speak a little bit more about it that you've experienced or heard of about the progression, what is the outlook that you'd suggest people to have when they're considering growing at a fund?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I've been very lucky in my venture experiences, both when I started off uh, at Bessemer and then now at CRV, you know, both those firms make it very easy to be a female investor there. And everyone's, you know, trying very hard um, to, you know, when I was younger, uh, to teach me how to source deals to help me learn how to do diligence. And now when I'm a partner, I have fantastic partners at CRV that, you know, help me uh, win deals. And really, it is a it, it is a team effort. So I haven't faced bias, but I think it's implicit bias, because you don't see enough of people that look like you. I myself don't have enough female VC role models who have been GPs for 10 years, 15 years, who have taken companies public. There are some amazing women, but I can count them on one hand. And so, um, you know, firms can do as much as they can do, but then I think the the broader industry has to get better. But to answer your question more directly on what I think it takes to be successful. I think there are different things that lead to success in different roles. When I started off, I didn't even start off as an associate. I started off as an analyst. So the 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 lowest rung of the ladder. Um, and there, I think Bessemer did a very good job of saying, you know, your only job and what will make you successful is if you source great deals. And so it was actually easier for me to have one thing that I had to do really well. And so it helped me be very laser focused on what would be success. And that's kind of the feedback that I would give women that are joining in more junior roles. Don't stress about having a brand. Don't stress about, you know, writing medium posts. Don't stress about, you know, uh, having a massive network. All those things help. Your everyday task should be I want to make sure that I source great deals and see the best deals that are happening in the ecosystem for the firm that I'm at. That's it. Once you get above the analyst and associate role, then things like what I like to call diligence start mattering. And diligence is everything from you know, if someone gives you data about their business, then you will not make mistakes in assessing it. And the surprising thing is there are a lot of people that still make mistakes in VC, like we, you know, not analyzing the data well, doing a deal without looking at the data. So I would say the associate role and a little bit of that principal role is a lot about how do you get through data quickly and how do you start forming deal judgment? So sourcing is just about getting in front of a company. Now, when I get in front of a company, how do I consume and understand the data that they offer me? And it's not only quantitative, it's qualitative too. you know, what's the body language of this founder? What are the references of this founder, and then it's taking all those disparate sources of information, and making sense of them. And then the more stressful part is not only are they disparate, not only do you have to make sense of, um, you know, imperfect data, but then you also have to do it very quickly. Um, So after you got promoted from an analyst associate role, when you move to that senior associate or VP, I would say drill down into that deal judgment, diligence, and being able to do that quickly. And then lastly, when you get to partner, if you do those things very well, then it becomes a lot about who are you as a board member? How do you pitch yourself as a partner to founders for eight years, nine years, 10 years? I mean, that's really the venture journey. You know, It's not a one, two year quick flip. Um, and so that's, I think how you shine as a partner, you live and die by your founder references. When you made uh, an investment, whether or not that company was successful, if that founder had a one-on-one conversation with another founder, you're trying to invest in, what would he or she say? And that is what your success as a partner begins with. And then of course It becomes very simple, which is once you've been at a firm for one, two, three, four, five years, sometimes a decade, how much money have you made at that firm? Like it does become, you know, at the GP level, really fundamentally about returns and founder references. So, you know, there isn't a like, oh, one, two, three, this is what I would do to be successful in VC. It very much is dependent on the role that you enter VC in.
0: Great. Um, Really amazing insight. And thank you for all the details around career progression. It's definitely one of those questions that we keep getting from, um, from uh, aspiring female investors. Um, So we wanted to wrap up this conversation with a new segment that we're trying out with some rapid fire questions. Um, So I'm just going to go ahead and um, ask you certain questions and the first thing that comes to my mind um we would really appreciate all the honesty. Uh sure. you ready?
1: Awesome. I'm excited.
0: All right. So, if you were an animal, what color would you be?
1: What color or what animal? What color? Oh wow, very interesting. Um probably like a sand neutral color. <laughs>
0: Okay. Three role model women you look up to.
1: Oh, I like this one. Oh, this is actually easy for me. Uh, The first role model um, that I look up to is Oprah. I think actually I learn a lot from how she does interviews, how she gets information out of people, how in 15 minutes you feel as if you've known her for years. I think that um, we can learn a lot as VCs in her style and how she engages with strangers. You know, a lot of the time we meet entrepreneurs for the first time, they are strangers to us. Um, I also really look up to Beyonce, uh, you know, very outside my own sector, but you know, the way she has used her craft to also talk about inequity and talk about the things that I think are important to women and women of color. Um, I, I really look up to that and how she really composes herself. And then um, the last uh, female role model that I really look up to is actually Hillary Clinton. I think that the iterations of her political career, both the negative and positive, are just a testament to, you know, no matter what, you keep going. And uh, I think once we see the, 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 the culmination of her career, I think women all over the world will uh, really respect kind of what she went through as, you know, an early, um, you know, legal partner, very much ahead of her career when she started off, giving that up to support her husband's career, um, you know, uh, having run for the Senate herself, a Senate of a, of a very important state, uh, being the first uh, democratic nominee or any kind of actually presidential nominee um, as a woman of the United States, then being a secretary of state, uh, and then, you know, losing the election in the way that she did and still being supportive and actually speaking up for things that she doesn't believe in. I, I, I think she's been an incredible role model.
0: There are definitely some um, really incredible women in, in all of their um, respective industries. And our last question, um, what is your motto in life? My motto?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think the first thing that came to my mind, even though it doesn't sound uh, kind of innovative in any way uh, or or unique, is just, I think my motto is give everything 100%. Like, I don't like to half-ass things. And that's not only work, you know? Like, if I want to uh, go on a vacation. It's like, I'll, I'll plan it out. Or if I want to, you know, cook dinner at home, like I I I make everything, I sort of go the extra mile for everything. Um, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but I want to make sure that I gave it my hundred percent so that I don't have any regrets. So that's a, that's kind of what came first to my mind. So I have to kind of say it as rapid fire.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That works for us. Thank you so much, Anna, for being on the show today. Um, and your insights on everything was really helpful to me and Anvita, and I'm sure our listeners as well. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you to both of you for doing this.